You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for Supercoach Christmas. It is TLT Round 1 2023, the first teamless Tuesday of the year. It's always one of the best days of the year for me. And Billy, I can smell the cut grass already. The Steedens are coming out. We are 48 hours away from footy starting on Thursday night. And for Supercoach... Is there a better day of the year? I don't think there is. Nah. <laughs> no, not at all, mate. Really keen. Best part about it is my wife even recognised it this year. <laughs> she said to me on the weekend, oh, hey, babe, the footy's starting soon. There's three days a week. You're going you're gonna to be able to not have to talk to me at all. I said, correction, four days a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is like pretty exciting times for real life footy, but for Supercoach, it is phenomenal. And for this podcast, we've got the Supercoach Teamless Tuesday to go through. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Me and Billy are going to go through every game. We're going to talk about the winners, the losers, the surprises, the, the uh, captaincy advice, captaincy options, what we think of the game. We're going to go through it all. I think it was overall quite a few changes that we didn't really expect. So, I mean, I think the other thing that's compounded this Teamless, Billy, before we go through it is... There's been some injuries that have sort of popped up right now. Like normally you do get the preseason ones, but obviously guys like uh, Luke Thompson at the Bulldogs, Gus has just gone on the Twitter not long ago and said he's looking like he's six months plus on the sidelines. That's just happened today at training. And then you've got someone like Nico Hines that the last 24 hours has been ruled out. I think these, there's been big injuries on top of a lot of selection bombshells. So it's been a pretty interesting one. It's certainly not one of those boring ones. Yeah, I think the good thing about the injuries, though, is I don't think that it's going to cause any major dilemmas, though. Like the the, the Nico Hines out, I mean, you know he's coming back in a couple of weeks. It's not like someone's going to take his position. Then you go, oh, is he going to stay or go? Like, it's, it's pretty pretty cut and dry who's going to stay or go. I think it just means a few more minutes and a couple of bits of switcheroos in the back row, but we can talk through them as we get there. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was actually disappointed with a lot of it because – my overall feel of, of the team list Tuesday for 2023 round one was that I think it's made it a lot easier in Supercoach. Yeah. And it's just, that's a bit annoying, right? Because we go through these pre-seasons, you listen to these podcasts, it does a, a pre-season podcast on each team and we go through all these ex, extra players that maybe you weren't thinking about. And you can maybe pick out some pods. You know, I always like pick out a few pods and even some other ones that I'm thinking about and stuff. And also one of the big, differences between teams this year was going to be your spine, not including your hooker. Your, your halves make up along with your fullback makeup. That slowly became a little bit more similar. But one thing that this teamless Tuesday has done to us is throwing Nico Hines out, I think has really made it a lot easier because it sort of gave everybody that wasn't on Nico Hines and out to you know not have to worry about him. And those that had Nico Hines are basically just going to jump on a lot of the other players that are popular and skyrocket their ownership as well. So I was a bit annoyed about that. Uh, Even guys like Luke Thompson, you know, there's going to be some other pods that people are going to jump on. Marju was one of the big pods that I loved in the preseason. We're going to talk about that, but he's not there. It just just made it a lot easier. And also a lot of cheapies everywhere, whereas I, I like... 
people might say that I'm a really nasty man, Billy, but I like it when there's less cheapies because it makes it really differentiates the squads. It makes people have to really think. It makes people have to make hard decisions. For me, my overwhelming feeling of this Teamless Tuesday was that it took away a lot of people's tough decisions. Well, I think you're right in regards to the depth of your team. Um, I think that many cheapies allows people to, to spread around as opposed to buying a few sort of benches and takes a bit of luck out of the, the, the equation. I think it's still difficult in two respects, though. So it, there's enough mid-prices around that you still need to choose whether you want, you know, the, the Garners and the Stefanos of, of the world and which ones you actually play. And also the, um, the, the back line. I think there's so many sort of bottom range guys down there. You're going to have to choose what's the right one to play. So there's still going to be a bit of luck in the equation, but I think you still need to look at the base guys and go, you know, do I want to, do I want to pay up for someone that's maybe sort of 330k that's switching positions and maybe got some high get up rate as opposed to, you know, burning a cheapie or do you pay, do you pay extra if they're like a 2 0 or something or rather? So I think it's still going to be a bit interesting, especially when you've got the, those fullbacks in the mix too, the mid price fullbacks. Which yeah, they're at fullback. They don't really have much promise, but um, yeah, we'll go through them. Well, let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's go for the first game Thursday night. Your Parramatta Eels are kicking off the NRL season versus the Melbourne Storm at Combank Stadium. Uh, look, let's look at the winners first. I really think that probably the first winner will just get out of the way. Jermaine Hopgood at thirteen. You know, that's a no-brainer. We knew that he was going to sort of be there. Yeah. But I think it's those it's those edge spots, isn't it? Bryce Cartwright and Matt Dory. Uh, each getting an edge spot. And obviously, Sean Laney's out for quite a while. Uh, but Madison is only out for three weeks. So what did you make of that back row, those two edge spots with uh, Hopgood at 13 as well? The problem is I've got no idea because, A, I didn't know how long Lane was out, but at least you know he's, at least you know he's playing left side. Um, I'm still not sure which one, Dury or Cardi, is playing left side. Cardi's probably better on the right-hand side because he's got that little flick pass to the right, but he'll generally go left. And the other thing is, when Maddo comes back, Although Maddo's been an 80-minute edge in the past when he was a Tigers when he first came out to the Eels, he's been rotating. Because Papa Lee come along, he's been coming off the bench or starting middle and then and then rotating in and out. So I think it depends on how, how good Hopgood is as to where he goes straight back to an edge or starts rotating through the middle. So because of the role of um, Maddow is unknown, I think it makes it almost impossible to decipher who's actually going to get the more minutes and who's going to stay when Maddow and sort of Lane comes back from those edges. Yeah, it's a tough one. I'm going to still say Hopgood's still basically a must-own because I do think that oh, of course. he's... Yeah, and they're going to use him. Like, he was the first choice even for the edge spot if they had a 13 there instead of him. Like, I do think that he's going to be... He's going to be there. Now, whether that means that the Dory comes off and he moves to an edge or, or Cardi or something like that, I, I think one of the things that was telling is that in the in the preseason, Madison did play off the bench straight through the middle. So he didn't go on to one of the edges. So whether that was a precursor for what's going to happen in round four when he returns or not, I'm not sure, but it's certainly what happened last year. So I think that you can assume that he's going to come on and play that 13 role. And I think that Hopgood is going to go on to an edge. Now, then it's, you know, begs yeah. the question, which one of Cartwright's or Dory's edges does he go on to? Because, I mean, the big problem here is that when you're having a look at it, one of these guys is going to get one price rise and then Madison's going to be back on the bench. So if you start with one of them round one, you know, what way do you go? Because I, I, I'm not sure that you'd go both. Like, are you going for both Dory and Cartwright in your back row right now for round one? None of them. Wow. I didn't expect that from you, Billy. None of them. 
Oh, well, what do you call it? Um, Maddo's only about round three, so um, Cardi's going to go. Cardi's going to be an impact player back off the bench. So I'd happily get him in the second row if I had a spot there. I've just gone mid-ranges in uh, in other spots and cheap and a half. So I've had to throw Schuster up there. There's a couple other sneakies I've got in there, so I just haven't got room for him, that's all. Uh, and the other thing is Dor- uh, Dory. I just went back all through his numbers. I just don't like his work rate. I think I, don't, I just don't want to pay that sort of money for someone that might make a little bit of cash, but, just, like, but I don't want to play my team. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've been pretty up and down on Dory, and obviously I was triggered by the Bryce Cartwright news. Everybody wants to go to a Cardi party. It's been a long time between drinks since it's been enjoyable. I wanted to go back there, and I was looking at the numbers. And I do think it would be an easy decision in another year because when I'm having a look at it, he's priced at only 20 points per game. Now, the reality is in 2020, he played 80 minutes on an edge and he played seven games there for 80 minutes each and he only averaged 42. Exactly. It's 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 not good scoring. You're not going to get the cardio of old. So I think people need to have that expectation wiped out. But he is coming off a 20 average in 2022. So he's very capable of more than doubling that average pretty easily. And at 234,800, you know, he's, he's bottom dollar. I guess the way that I've thought about it is that he does maybe have some upside because in 80 minutes, you know, he can create some opportunity. The Melbourne Storm isn't the best, but they do start at home. And I do think Melbourne are looking a bit, you know, weaker in those forward spots. Certainly both edges are new for them. And then he comes on and hits the Sharks and Manly. And Manly, especially, their edges have been a bit susceptible at times. So, you know, the first three weeks, two of them at home. I kind of said to myself, Billy, looking at this TLT, the way you can talk yourself into Bryce Cartwright is that even if he goes back to the bench after a few weeks, uh, he's still only priced on that 20 average and he could keep eclipsing that. And when I'm looking at this Eels bench that they've named, None of these guys are going to play huge roles. I mean, yeah, correct. None, none of them are, are, are big minute guys or edgy. Or, yeah, so yeah, forwards. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, do you, can you see a world here where he goes back? And I mean, even if he does go back, when Maddo comes, I mean, Maddo's not going to start on the edge. So really, surely he's waiting for Sean Lane to come back, and that might be round six or something. What will happen is Lane's 100% going to come back and go onto that left edge. I think, in my opinion, I think what happens is, look, if, if Jermaine Hopgood is absolutely killing it in that position, he possibly he possibly stays there. If, if Dury is still absolutely gunning it, he probably goes onto the right-hand side. I reckon what will happen is Dury will play sort of, you know, so 60 minutes. Hopgood will play this decent middle, maybe rotate to the right, depending on how Dury is, and then Maddo, come, Maddo, come, Maddo comes, comes into the middle. That would be uh, my idea. And Cardi goes back to that sort of 15, 20-minute bench impact player at the end where he just comes on, line break try. I think, I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before, he had a few impact games like that where, where it was pretty effective. And everyone kept going. You know, the Cardi party's back. Well, not really. Cardi came on, did his job, but everyone was tired. But he doesn't do that in 80 minutes anymore. That's the reason why I don't want him. And the Dury factor is just, you know what? <laughs> There's plenty of other options around. I'd much rather go for someone like... Um, Oh, you know, Katawa, who's mid-priced, guaranteed to play 80 minutes in the best team in the comp, as opposed to, you know, having to figure out who's going to get to stay in three weeks. Yeah, it's very true. And like that sort of points to what I was saying as far as a different year. Like in a different year, if you're struggling in your secondary forward for those cheaper spots, it might be more of an option. I'm I'm sort of with you on Dory. I'm going to look at Cartwright, though, myself. I may have him in my side just for the upside, you know, see if he's got anything left in the tank. He's still only 28 years old. 
So, I mean, he's meant to be coming into his prime. I know injuries have crueled him, but if he's going to get 80 minutes, I want to sort of have a see. But, you know, maybe he comes off. I mean, Murchie's on the bench. Murchie could come on. Yeah, Murchie can play middle or or edge, but he, and he was pretty much slated for an edge, so it wouldn't surprise me if they, they rotate they rotate that Murchie through that spot. And Mimosa, I haven't seen much of, of Wurmir. I think I know he's sort of a bit hit and miss with his, with his minutes, but they'll throw Mamosia and Makatawa in for the in for the um the big impact at the middle. But obviously Makatawa probably a twenty minute twenty five minute cameo. Yeah, and he'll probably go for Hopgood at thirteen. Yeah. Uh. Then you've got Paulo that'll play smaller minutes and Campbell Gillard's not going to get huge. So, I mean, even in Merch, I think worst case scenario, Merchie goes on and plays on an edge for a bit, maybe 20 minutes. It's still 60 minutes of, say, Bryce Cartwright isn't too terrible. Um, and you're still bottom dollar pretty much. So, yeah, I, I think that they're winners. They're, I think that they're options. Um, but the other big winner from this, we're talking about the Eels bench, is that it's a four-forward bench. Uh, Mitch Raines in Jersey 21. It would be interesting if he comes on. I just... I'm looking at it going, I cannot believe at the moment that their 17 says that Arthur is going to play Josh Hodgson. He didn't play last year from injury and he's getting pretty old. 80 minutes straight up against Melbourne. I just, I didn't really see that coming, but this bench points towards it. And if that's the case, I don't like Hodgson. And one of the reasons why I was off him in the preseason is because I just didn't see any way that he could possibly obviously start and play 80 minutes. But now that he's playing potentially 80 minutes, he'd have to be a winner out of this team list. Uh, maybe. <laughs> if, if, there were, if there were four spots at hooker and he was guaranteed to play 80 and he was going to do better than what he's done previously in 80 minutes, <laughs> maybe. But <laughs> nah, not for me, mate. I mean, look, he's, he's coming in at 385k. He did 52 points a game, 75 minutes in 2021. The biggest thing for me is that I thought he was looking at 55 to 60 minutes and that was going to be 40 points a game and you just didn't want a part of that. But look, he he does look like he's got a road to minutes here with that bench. I think that they were definitely the winners. Not any particular losers out of this Eels side, um, but for the Storm side, the big winner is obviously going to be William Walbrick. He's starting on that wing outside Remus Smith. And I dare say, you know, people have different connotations of what a must-have means. To me, I've said on this podcast many times, there's not very many must-haves that aren't just cheapies or guys of huge value to me. Um, But a winger on the wing of a storm side that looked fantastic in the trials, like Warbrick did, is pretty close to a must-have. So I've certainly got him in. I think he's a big winner from this. uh, And he's named there to start on the wing. Which side does he go on? Because I know every team is different with the numbers. Is he left or right? I'm pretty sure he's on the left. Okay, cool. It's probably probably the better side for the Storm, given that Munster's, Munster's over there. And um, cause, you know, Munster, he, he's got that little chip that also sweeps left really, really well. Mm. I think on the right-hand side, Jerome McHughes is, is, is a lot better at sort of dummies and that sort of going just right of the post as opposed to all, way, all the way right. So I prefer him on the left. Yeah, I agree. And I think that works really well for him. Uh, would you classify him as a must-have, Warbrick? I mean, there's not too many guys at 200k for your centre wing that are going to be named wearing one. Oh, mate, any 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 guy at 200 k that's in one of the better teams in the comp that's got job security, hundred percent. Add it, add it, add it, add in the fact you know the team scores points. He's on the dominant side, and he's apparently an absolute beast. <laughs> like runs like runs like a monster just over the top of people. Um, yeah, hundred percent. 
Why wouldn't you? Other big winners for this Melbourne Storm team list in this game. Uh, I'm just going to say all the middle forwards. So they've obviously very light. Yep. And they've got Tyron Wishard, who's going to be a utility off the bench. Ali McDonald, Chris Lewis, and Jordan Grant. None of those guys are going to play big minutes, Billy. So people like Welsh, who's, you know, based off uh, zero minutes last year in 2023, but somebody who we have seen in prior years end up getting his minutes managed at the start of the season a little bit at times. And one of the reasons I was a bit sceptical of him as an option. I'm, I put a tweet out about a week ago saying, despite mine and Billy's uh, storm podcast, where neither of us were heaps into Welsh as much as everyone else, I'm all aboard now seeing the storm team named and Welsh at 464,000. I can't see a world where he doesn't play 55 plus minutes. And that just, that should equal enough points because, you know, before there was a bit of a yo-yo at times, he'd play like 45 minutes and stuff at the start of the seasons. And especially coming off injury, that maybe wouldn't be enough, but I think him, uh, Nass and Josh King uh, are going to be relied on looking at this bench to play bigger minutes than what they ordinarily would. Yeah, I started with it a couple of years ago. Um, the only thing that annoyed me about him is, although he does look for an offload more than any, not any other forward, but a lot of a, a lot of forwards, he doesn't play massive minutes. And also, two things, he doesn't bend a line, so he doesn't get as many sort of tackle busts. And when they're short of a line, he, he's not the type of forward that, that they're going to go looking for to give that sort of a crash play. So it's always, it's always going to go to your... Your, your eyes and who saw you at Nelson and Sofa's close to the line. So he's less likely to go over the line. He kind of reminds me of a, a, a much younger sort of Woods, you know, where he just hits the line, that's it, turns around, tries to offload, that's it. So going to get some extra points out of him, but he just doesn't have that X factor for um, for me. So for that reason, I've just gone the extra sort of 100K for someone else. Well, I mean, Naz is someone that we didn't talk about really much in the preseason podcast because he just really didn't look like much of an option. But... He's a starting prop now, and he's coming. I, I did have him in, in one version of my team, but that was purely off the back off the back of um, his end of season rotation when he was mm. moving out to the edge, playing an extra ten minutes and going at the edges and looking a lot dangerous. But you get that team back to sort of full strength. Obviously, first three games as well. I can't see a bloke that to the size playing bigger minutes. And I did go and have a look at the scores, and I thought, you know what, he was scoring a bit more, but at that price. It's not going to kill you. And you can also do punch like 35, 40 minute, five minute games. So just take the risk out of it. And that's why I sort of pulled him back. But, but he was he was under consideration at one point. Yeah, I mean, he's when you're having a look at it, he's just he's gonna to have to play more minutes because he only averaged forty six minutes a game last year. And that's what he's priced at. What's his PPM? It's massive, isn't it? Like one to four or something? His PPM's always between sort of one point one four and one point three three. And obviously he had some games where he moved to an edge last year where it dipped a little bit, but it was still mainly low ones. So, I mean, he's got a big PPM and that's the thing. At 46 minutes a game average last year, I mean, I could easily see him play 53, 54 minutes because they're just so short on middles on this bench that they've named. And if he does that, you know, that's pretty big. You know, 46 minutes is pretty low. So all of a sudden six, seven points of value at a minimum. Uh, I I could see a world where Naz could actually be relevant again, but five hundred forty six thousand is a touch more than some of the other yeah. front row forward options, I guess. Yep, it is basically paying um, underpriced for a guy hoping for an extra ten points. So I'd probably sort of save the trade, and not worry about it, and go for someone to come off the bench or more money. 
Yeah, uh, the other news here is that Harry Grant looks looks set for the 80, so um, that's going to be a bit more reassuring. But other than that, mate, I think it's it's pretty per program is what we thought. We knew that Liero and also Katoa were going to be named on those edges. Chris Lewis is on the bench. He he could go on and, and play one of those edge roles. I've got both those edge back roles for the Storm at the moment, though, uh, and we do know that the Eels can let in some... Some tries through the forwards, whether that be on their edges or right up the middle. So it could be interesting for some of these forward options for the Storm. I, I kind of like it for this initial matchup because even though the Storm are a little bit short, the Eels are a bit short on the forward stocks as well, and their whole back row is going to be entirely new. So uh, I'm coming around to some of these uh, Storm guys for round one in this pack that are starting, and certainly Liero and, and Katoa and Welsh. I've got all three of those locked in now after this TLT. It's concerning, but you can't own, own everyone just for one game. So hopefully the boys hold them out and uh, Hopgood goes over for a double. Although everyone's got him, but I just want Hopgood to go over for a double and secure his spot. <laughs> <laughs> so have you gone for any of these other uh, mid-range forwards in, in the Storm Pack? Uh, just Katoa, mate. I, I left Laviro out, Cardi out and Dury out. Um, Dury and Laviro are out left because I just don't like the I went back through the last two three years or as, as long as I can see and I just looked there at their point per minute on big games on the edge I just didn't like it so I, scr- I scratched them um, Katoa is a lot, bit more of a runner a bit more aggression plays the left side has a bit more job security I kind of figured if anyone's not going to get rotated I kind of assumed it would be him so I opted to go with uh, him instead but um, yeah I'm, I'm staying away from King Welsh Nass it's just uh, Katoa um, and hop good for me mate so VC and C options, I don't think the first game of the season anybody should be looking at a C in this one. No. But yeah, VC could be, for me though, I'm steering clear because I sort of see this one as potentially a bit of a grind out. Um, two teams that could probably put on a good display of footy, um, but that might not equal super coach points. It's really hard to gauge with these two teams, especially with their forward packs looking fairly decimated to what we're normally used to. So I'm going to steer clear. But what about you, Billy? Yeah, no captaincy for me here, mate. Yeah, the only real sort of interest is probably you know if you're doing like your um your fantasy betting, there might be some some decent stuff in there for Warbrick, maybe hit ups or tries or something or other. It seems a bit of a weapon. So the Warriors versus Knights is the second game, the six pm Friday night kickoff. Going to be in New Zealand, which is a nice way to ring in the year for them. Probably the big winner from this team list for the Warriors. We've got to talk about Jackson Ford first. We didn't even speak about him in the preseason because I just didn't believe that he was going to get the edge spot. I just didn't think it was going to happen. He's got it now. He's coming off a season where he had 33 points per game, playing 26 minutes. The most minutes we've ever seen him play in a game is 64 minutes a game in 2019. And he ended up scoring 43 points per game in that year. Even the next year, 47 minutes a game. He still scored 41 a game with his PPM going right up, but that's because he was playing in the middle. Certainly on the edge, though, you know, priced on his 33 a game in 2022. Um, certainly you'd think that there's room for at least 10, if not 15 points of value there for Jackson Ford. And he's obviously coming in at a pretty juicy price point in the back row at only 281,200. So Jackson Ford, someone I didn't consider, Billy. Looking at the numbers, though, Probably one of those ones that makes sense more so than some of these others. I mean, I am on Luiero at the moment, but Jackson Ford's 80K less. Uh, I'll be worried about Karen on the bench, though, because Karen's got to come in 
Uh, we've got Nakore, who's named on the other edge, and Tohu Harris at 13. Certainly, Karen could come in and play 13. Uh, Tohu could also move to prop, but it looks like, you know, Karen could very well also come onto that edge. So what do you make of that? And Jackson Ford priced at 281000 being named to start there. Yeah, that's the concern too. Like Karen, Karen can also play middle, so he can come on for Harris. Harris can move to an edge. Who knows? They're going to keep uh, Tohu out as long as long as they can, like unless he's getting older and they just want to want to pull him back a bit. Yeah, I had Ford in a few versions of my team, but same thing again, mate. There's so many cheapies going around. It's it's blokes like this that end up getting sort of sacrificed because they're not bottom dollar. They're not up the top, and there's no guarantee job security there. These are guys that you know, sort of guys that you sort of you don't get, and then they score well, or um, you do get they don't score well, and you're like, oh, why did I get them for? <laughs> now I've got a mid price bloke that's not scoring. I should have you know, you know, just got a bum and, and got got uh, the feeder instead. So there's no right or no wrong answer with this guy. He could score well, could not. But odds, odds are he's going to come out and be a bit of a workhorse. But how much attack is he going to get? That's the question, too. You've got to remember he's still playing for the Warriors. So It's really hard with Jackson Ford because you go through his numbers and in the past he started heaps at lock, but you can't find very many games where he started on an edge. And if you go back to 2020, he started on an edge and played 67 minutes and it equated to 30 points. This is a real hard thing too. Like you go, you can go and look at a bloke. And go, oh, look, you know his PPM from um, from year X Y Z was one point four, but yeah, he was only playing sort of twenty seven minutes or forty seven minutes off the bench. But when they're playing those low minutes, not going onto the edge, they they because they got Josie 16, 17, 14, you don't know which position to go into when you're, when you're pulling those numbers from the fantasy side. So that one point four PPM could be, you know. Um, massive hit ups and sort of hot, high tackle rate from 15 minutes right in the middle of the field when they're when it's going ballistic. You take 15 minutes and put on an edge, all of a sudden that PPM is you know, 0.7, 0.8. So it's really hard to take the PPM and, and multiply it by the expected minutes you're going to get and come out with an expected average. That's the real hard part, and that's and that's another reason why I'm sort of staying away from him because although he looks dangerous. How dangerous can you can you be with you know unknown minutes on the edge in the Warriors with a PPM that's from God knows what positions in the last few years? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a side a plug here because we don't plug enough sides. Uh, if you want to know, look, certainly NRLSuperCoachStats.com.au is great, um, and I me and Billy go in there all the time. They've got great tables and analytics and stuff that you can check out. Uh, there is also a subscription service um, NRL SuperCoach Pro. You can go on their site and you can buy subscriptions and they've got even more advanced analytics and data. So you can give that a go. I even put out some special codes today on Twitter for people if they want to get some discounts and stuff. But one that does tell you the real the actual positions played, the Rugby League Project, you can go there and you can actually click to expand a player's season where it lists all the games played and it will tell you the actual position that they played in that game, uh, regardless of their jersey number, the position they played. And that's really, really handy. So that can definitely explain some. And I can tell you with Jackson Ford, a lot of the time he was actually playing middle. There's very few games that he went on and played in an edge. So, yeah, I'll finish on Jackson Ford, Billy. We've said he's a winner. I'm a little bit sceptical because, to me, it says Tom Ale and, B- and Bunty Afoa are going to be uh, props. And Dylan Walker is a utility, but Manly used him as a middle if they didn't need to use him as a utility. Uh, so to me, he could he will be the one that goes on and plays thirteen, and that doesn't leave enough minutes for, for Josh Curran. 
So there's just way too many mouths to feed in this pack. I think that, that Ford might be looking at 55 minutes. And even though that should make a little bit of money, it's going to be a bit of a slow burn and a little bit awkward. So uh, so I'm actually going to steer clear of him. The other Warriors winner here was Braden Williami. He's 234800 Now, Billy, we do have a lot of guys that are low in price in that centre wing now and also in second row forward. You can't fit all of them, which we've spoken about a heap of second row forwards already in the second game, and we've got a lot more to cover. Centre wing, you know, is Braden Williami one of the guys, the price that maybe you need to leave out? Where do you have him on the pecking order? I didn't even bother looking at him once in the preseason. <laughs> Does that help? <laughs> well, I thought he did look pretty good in the preseason, but I don't want to upset Warriors fans, but there might not be a lot of points in this Warriors side, um, and they might get some bad games coming up. So I'm, I've steered clear at the moment because there's just so many other options at centre wing. Yeah, that's the reason, mate. Just too many options in teams that sort of have crew and sort of... I don't, I don't, they don't want to be too disrespectful for the Warriors, but if you just look at their results and the fact that they've got to do so much travelling and unknown new, new pack too, it's just easier to just, just to go with the guys that sort of are always going to... Wingers are always going to, going to play on the dry track, not potential you know, downfalls over there and guys that are just playing in sort of, you know, top eight teams from the previous year, that's all. Well... I've got Mitchell Barnett down as actual loser in this team list. And I've seen a lot of people look at him as a winner because he's been named in Jersey 10. I actually don't like it because to me, he would have been a winner if he got that edge spot. Like if he was in Ford's edge spot, you'd go, well, if Barney can get 80 minutes there, he's a backup goal kicker as well in this team. That could be pretty handy. And he's a dual front row forward, second row forward. Unfortunately, 536,000 named a prop. That worries me because it says to me that he's going to be, you know, one of those 50, 53-minute sort of guys. And we've seen that at Newcastle when he's played 13 and it doesn't work very well for his point scoring. So, it's horrible. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think he's a loser from this one, but I've seen people sort of talk up that he got named a prop. Yeah, 100%. Mate, the year we, the year we got on him, I think, it was, I think it was two years ago, he was named on the edge and goalkeeper to start the year when uh, Ponga must have been injured or something or other. I can't remember, but... And it was brilliant, mate. He'd uh, kicking some kicking some goals. He was a sharpshooter too. He was actually really good, and he was um, going over for a line break try every sort of couple of games. So he was averaging sort of 65, 65 to sort of seventy for the first few games. It was brilliant, and then he went back to lock, and then he lost the goal kicking, and then it was oh, one more week, one more week. You know, one of those, one of those decisions where you go one more week, one more week, and it ends up being seventeen weeks later. You're like, oh. <laughs> all the good work gets negated. Well, if people want to know what me and Billy are talking about, um, I'll go back to the 2021 season. Round nine, he shifted from an 80-minute edge to a 13, and he went 46 points, 53 points, 44 points, 65 points, 43 points, 47 points. And across that time frame, he averaged around about 53 minutes a game. And that's probably a good sample yep. over that two months of what you're going to expect from him if he's got the 10 jersey on his back. And what it equates to is low 50s in both minutes and low 50s in uh, scoring as well. And considering, you know, that's going to be zero value at 534K and pretty average scoring, I don't think he's a winner at all from this team list. Uh, look, let's move along to the other team that they're going to be facing, the Newcastle Knights. And i tell you what, we haven't had any massive losers, but... Big Greg, Mars, you, he's gone. 
and it's conflicting information at the moment. There's Barry Tui on uh, on Twitter, who's always got his finger on the pulse with everything. Knights, great journal up in Newcastle, said that he's been overlooked and he's just been pref- uh, he's just wasn't the preference to start for round one, and they've gone for Hunt instead of him with Tuala at centre. I just I cannot believe that. You know, one of our good friends that jumps on this podcast, Luke Garrity, who's a Knights tragic, made the point that in the game against your Parramatta Eels in the trial where Marju uh, scored something like 98 supercoach points and was probably the lone bright spot in that team. In the press conference afterwards, O'Brien didn't mention how good Marju was. He actually mentioned how good the guy that replaced him was. He said when Hunt came on the field, he was really impressed with what Hunt did. So it was a real backhanded Marju, but I, I think we all thought that he was going to start. And that's just throwing a real spanner and I don't understand it, but I've got him in my team now and I'm going to have to find a different option. Yeah, I had Marju on my team too, purely because um, even if you know, even if he misses 10 snow tackles, he's still going to make it up in one line break. Yeah, that, that was always the concern, his defence, but it seems like the coach has spoken. So maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't know why you were needed against the Warriors. There you go, there's your backhand Warriors. <laughs> well, it does open up an interesting option too, doesn't it? Because, I mean, I, I know that we've got big Greg there and we know that we think he's a better player, but if Heimel Hunt's been chosen, Heimel Hunt isn't a fantastic player, but he's only got one game in 2022. So he's 19 average, you, you shouldn't really take into account. The games before that weren't great. You know, between 2019 and 2021, he's played 60-odd NRL games and he's only averaged about 40 points a game or just under. But at 234,800, he's playing the Warriors and he is going to be on that Ponga side. All it takes is for him to be hit with a couple of cutout balls and two tries and it's game on for the cow and he's going to be making huge money straight away. So, you know, it, do, you, do you take that? Do you throw that dice? Do you say the Knights have got a great draw? Heimel Hunt's 234,800 now. He's a big winner out of this. Do you take the punt and say, I'm going to play the draw and, you know, he's only base, almost base price at 234K. Maybe you just get some tries this week against the Warriors and he's ever good enough to do your centre wing roulette with to start. I know what you're saying, but it's kind of like saying, you know, Penrith have a really good draw. Let's get stains in. <laughs> um, no. Oh, don't do me like that. Don't do me. Don't stain <laughs> me. Come on. <laughs> I'm not going stains. No, no, I, I, I just, mate, I'm just not interested in a bloke like that. Look, if, if, if they're playing the Dolphins every week, mate, maybe, <laughs> but, but it, it, even, even, even then, mate, I, I just don't trust a bloke like that. Even for wingers, I prefer base. I like guys to come in with 24, 26 points and hit ups, two, maybe three tackle busts, two or three tackles. A, a 35 base is what you want out, out, out of winger because they're not going to score every week. You want them to score. Every sort of second week, and then go on go on a run where they have you know that one game anomaly where they have two or three offloads and sort of six or seven tackle busts and and and, and go big. That, those are the sorts of wingers that you want. A bloke like this has no sort of the background and playing for the Knights. Just no, just no. Well, there's a few other uh, losers in this Knights team, and that's Adam Elliott's in Jersey 15. He's going to be out of everyone's side. He should be out of everyone's side. There's been talk that he might even get put on an edge for Lachlan Fitzgibbon. That would be a massive waste. Don't get trapped. If Adam Elliott ends up, you know, getting to start and it's on an edge, don't do it. Kurt Mann is starting at 13. That was always our concern in the preseason, Billy, that even if Adam Elliott's starting at 13, what sort of minutes is he going to get? Because some people that were, you know, members of the Adam Elliott fan club were, 
thinking, oh, he could get 65 minutes a game, could play 70. There was no chance. And we said in the preseason podcast, me and Garrity, Kurt Mann's going to be on the bench. He's coming on as a 13. It's going to happen. Not only is that happening, but Kurt Mann's starting at 13 at the moment. Now, I think everyone should probably bear in mind that last year, O'Brien kept doing the, the tricky buggers every week and thought that everyone was getting fooled that Kurt Mann would go back to the bench and someone would come on and start. That, that could happen. Kurt Mann may never start this year, but he named it 13 six times, including round one. But it, it does cap Adam Elliott's minutes and you just you couldn't possibly start with him. So he's a big loser from this TLT. It's funny, isn't it? Because if you go back um, two months over the Christmas break, Leo Thompson was a flavour of the week going, he might be a smoky to start. If not, he's going to be a big minute. He's going to switch with, with, with uh, Elliott. He'll be getting so 40, 45 minutes off the bench. And all of a sudden... Yeah, he's back down to uh, 17, maybe to get him five minutes off the bench. So this Kurt man, mate, he's doing my head in. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Between him and the coach, you've got no idea who's playing there each week. This TLT is basically a joke when it comes to the 13 and, and 13 and nuts. It is. And the other thing that's, uh, uh, well, another loser, I think, from this one is Jack Hetherington was... I guess people were hopeful that at 267,000 he was going to start on an edge, but it's not happened. He's on the bench, and that means he's going to be a reserve prop. So to me, that kills his value. But having a look at value, you know, a few people have been on Daniel Saifidi, averaged 52 minutes a game last year for 46 points. He comes in at 484,000, Welsh type of territory as far as you spend. And looking at this bench, like Adam Elliott's not going to play prop. He's going to play 13 or edge. Jack Hetherington and Leo Thompson will play middle, but then you've also got Phoenix Crossland as a full-blown utility. So all of a sudden you sort of look at the Saifidi boys and say, well, Thompson and Hetherington are going to play huge minutes. So, you know, maybe there's room for growth there. Bit of a gamble. And, you know, we're not going to say you know, we our opinions change on Daniel Saifidi, but I think that if people are sold on him and going to own him, that, Saifidi might be one of the, the only winners out of this TLT for the Knights, really, because that bench might be decent for his minutes. Maybe he picks up an extra few. Kind of remind me of the Eels. There really is no, there really are no big minute guys in there make up for the bench. Well, mate, they're a dominant player. He's a bit, they're, bit, they're big units. You'd want them on there on the field for as long as possible. But Matt, I can see, I can see like an extra max five minutes for those guys. But at, at, at his PPM, mate, he's maybe get a bit up the sleeve, but not, not enough to buy. It's probably more for Jacob. I think Jacob's at 45 minutes a game, so he could go up to 53, and then all of a sudden that might be eight points of value, but you just, you, you can't do yeah, but the, can't do that round one. You generally have an alpha prop, but you, you don't generally have sort of two 55-minute forwards. you generally got an alpha guy and then sort of an impact, uh, an impact guy. Then you've got that sort of rotation switch, and then possibly, depending on the team, like the... the, the that 13 rotation where it's up in the middle or, 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 or out wide. So I think you're right. I think it's probably more of a 55 and sort of 55 and 45 or 55 and 50 with, with the, with the Saifidis. You get the uh, Elliot and Hetherington sort of rotating through the middle. I think sort of um, Thompson probably just comes in for a cameo depending on, on where he's needed, where he's needed and where the fatigue kind of kicks in at this early in the season when they're sort of tired and, well, one thing this TLT has shown us for the Newcastle Knights is that O'Brien may have lost the plot already and it's round one because I do not like some of those selections. I don't think some Knights fans like it either. So it, it doesn't bode well. I was going to say, the fact that we stumbled through that trying to make sense of it 
says that he has. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And if if Greg Marzu doesn't come into this side at some point and Adam Elliott somehow ends up finding himself on an edge, it's going to make even less sense, let alone the fact that, you know, Gagai isn't even in this side yet. It's... Let's go. Let's go to vice captaincy options or captaincy options in this one. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say like a, a bit of a potish one. I think that if we know that Pong is kicking, he could be a VC option if you want a real big pod one playing against the Warriors' first game of the season. And you know that's just gut feel for me. But it's a big first game. Maybe he's goal kicking, and maybe they find lots of points against this Warriors side. Problem is that it's in New Zealand, so you know, clutching at straws a little bit purely. But Pong is probably the first big one that's come up as far as star power gun that could actually go reasonably big. But his form last year, you wouldn't have that VC with too much confidence. But it's just a VC, right? Yeah, you, you are. You, we are clutching, but looking at both lineups, he's the only one. He's the only realistic option you could possibly throw in, thinking he can potentially get 180. Unlikely, but he's, he's the only one that could possibly go anywhere near it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting one. I'm I'm tipping the Warriors to win this one. I don't like the Knights changes. It is getting played over there. I think the Warriors have got a lot of forwards there that could trouble Newcastle. What way do you reckon we're going here? Yeah, I like the Warriors. Like I, I Pong has done nothing special. Hastings is just more of a directional guy. You got brand new pack. Like I know the Warriors have have a brand new pack too, but you got guys that are like um Barnett, Ford, Corey that are they're going out there to try and impress the new first game at home. They're going out to impress the new fans, and you got guys like Nakora and Ford who were who were, who were gunning for to keep a starting position. So they're going to go as hard as hell, man. And you got like a, I know he's old off, but you have got Sean Johnson healthy, healthy, healthy to start the year. So the Panthers versus Broncos at Bluebet Stadium, Penrith. Panthers massive winner in Supercoach, Taruva, starting on the wing as we suspected outside Targo, two hundred seventy-five thousand. Bit of a shame that we don't get him at, at base price or closer to base price, but 275000 He's more expensive than some of these other guys, Billy, but to me, he's a he's a big winner and a must-own because he's on the end of that Panthers back line. So uh, we've all seen how much Taylor May scored there, so I think that you've got to throw him in, surely. So for me, he's a must, and this TLT just seals it for him. Yeah, one of the guys you play, play to at home on the left-hand, left-hand wing, one of the better teams in the club versus the lowly Broncos, mate. Um, not lowly Broncos, they'll come, they'll come out. They can, they can do some damage when they want to. But you would want to back the left winger for the Panthers at home versus any mm. versus any team in the comp. Surely he's got to be what a dollar eighty to score any time, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I like it. I like it in every in every which way. Get him in your side. Uh, the other big winner from this one's Luke Garner. So I think me and you are both reasonably off Luke Garner, and the groundswell started to to come up that maybe Garner wasn't as popular, it shouldn't have been as popular as what he was. His ownership kept plummeting. I think this TLT will, will seal his ownership going back on the rise. 435000 he is starting on the edge, but the big news is that Zach Hosking is 18th man. So we've now got Salmon, Spencer Linu, Scott Sorensen and Sonny Luke on the bench. That's a very good bench to say that Garner's getting 80 minutes and that all, all of a sudden puts the value back in him. So big winner for TLT on this Panthers side is Garner, Billy. Obviously, coming off a 41 average, lots of improvement on that he could make at 80 minutes. Are you putting him ahead of, you know, the Storm back rowers and the Jackson Fords and some of these other mid-price guys? Do you have him in your side based on this TLT? No, I haven't had him for about six or seven weeks. With the makeup of the team now, with Hosking sort of being 
out of the team obviously makes him a lot lot more appealing. I just had some concerns. Like he's the only reason for wanting him is to the Panthers go left. And they do have that short ball. But even even when you look at these games with games at the Tigers, I don't know whether he was used as a decoy or the Tigers are just rubbish, not used at all. But I just don't see him doing enough enough damage. So I've opted to leave him out and get and get someone else in that sort of price range from um, your Chuggies instead, like Fair enough. Over on the other side, we've got the Broncos. Selwyn Cobbo is a big winner, but I'm going to say quite a trap. I've seen a few people say, oh, Selwyn starting at one for Reese Walsh. Gives him a bit of extra value. He might only last one game there, and then he's back on the wing. So <laughs> you know, don't, be, don't be fooled by that one. But the other winners, uh, certainly they're big gun forwards, I think, are big winners. So looking at this bench, they've got Corey Pax on there. He's going to obviously come on as a hooker. They've got uh, Palacia, who is a small minute forward. Flegler, who will probably eat the most minutes on that bench for sure. And Marty Tapao, who will be a low minute forward as well as a front row rotation piece. So when you're looking at it, three forward bench, two of them are going to be small minutes. And the other big thing with those two small minute ones is one of the starters is a small minute front rower in Corey Jensen. I don't think that he's going to get that many minutes a game himself. He only averaged 37 last year, albeit he obviously wasn't starting all of them. But he's not going to get that many more minutes, even as a starter. So all of a sudden, I think that you can say that Payne Haas is comfortably going to get minutes in the 60s. That's a big win for him. And the other big win is that all of a sudden, Patrick Carrigan, you know, we thought, yeah, even just at his minutes, he's going to be good. But is he going to get enough minutes to really be a consideration over other guns? All of a sudden, Billy, I think that he is. 654,000, average 61 minutes a game. I couldn't see him getting below 65 minutes. And I think that he could even get to 68 or 70 minutes looking at this bench because Palacio can't play big minutes. Tapao can't anymore. And Jensen starting and can't play big minutes. This All of a sudden, this uh, big winner for the Broncos team isn't going to be Selwyn Cobbo. For me, the big winner is going to be Patrick Carrigan and, and slightly less Payne Haas as well. He's a lovely player to watch, isn't he? I love watching Carrigan. Mate, even when he was coming off the bench, was it last year or the year before, I think I got him to start the year or after a couple of rounds, even though he was coming off the bench, just love his work rate. But for me, I think one of the most, and this is completely forgetting, putting super coach aside, I'm really loving the um, purchase of money to power for the Broncos. Not because you expect him to break, break any records, but I think... A bloke like him coming on for 25 minutes up the middle, getting really aggressive and just throwing that offload around like and creating a second phase play for a bloke like Ezra Mann and getting the ball out quickly to a bloke, bloke like Selwyn Cobbo or, or Stags or Oates. I think it'll make a really interesting middle middle third game for them. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just going to say that there was four middle, there was four games where Carrigan averaged 65 plus minutes and for that he gave 68 points. So certainly, you know, that seven points, six, seven points of value straight up that you can get from him if he's doing that. And I can't see where that bench that he doesn't. If he were to manage to get, you know, close to 70 minutes a game, I think it's it's possible. And all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at something towards 70 points a game. So, yeah, I've actually warmed him with this TLT. He's the biggest winner in this Broncos side for me by far, I think. So I'm going to consider it. Uh, VC options in this one, interesting. I don't think you should go see Cleary straight up. I just think that you should give yourself some some options. And certainly if you're going to pick, uh, you know, Schuster's going to be in a lot of teams, you're going to have the loop ability with him. But for me, Nathan Cleary in this one, uh, certainly VC at home versus the Broncos. He looks like the obvious one. But for you, Billy, would you go to C as well? Would you even consider that? 
100% BC. I'm not sure about straight out C. And the reason is because with so many cheapies going around, I actually want to back the 17 that I've got. I don't want to use it the user loop, but the old sense and sensibility isn't like no point to start stuff on a straight out with someone for first game of the year. What if they do score 50? It's risk versus reward, I suppose. Well, for me, I'm going to tip the Panthers to win this one, but I don't think it's going to be a flogging or anything. I think that the Broncos will turn up to play and it'll be a pretty good game of footy for me. Yeah, tip the Panthers too, mate. I'm not going to go against them at home. Uh, out of curiosity, what is their record over the last three years? There, it's got to be something the same. What, what, forty and one or something? Forty and two? I think they've lost like three games or something ridiculous. Jesus. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going to be easy for Brisbane to win, but that's why the odds for the Panthers are about a dollar twenty. <laughs> Saturday, Seagulls versus Bulldogs, Four Pines Park. Very very interesting game because we do have Tommy Turbo named to start, so that's good news for Turbo owners. Good news for Supercoach too, because, geez, we're going to be down on options if we're going to have another big gun ruled out for round one, because obviously these Manly guys are going to be out round two with the buy as well. So that was a that was a big win for Supercoach for the Seagulls. But, you know, I think that one other one quietly went under the radar a little bit. The other big win for me is Sean Kepi. So Kepi got named at 13 and Jake Trevojevic at 10. Uh, for both of these guys, you look at this bench, K.O. Wicks gets his debut. He's going to be a, a full-on utility. And Ben Trevojevic, we know, is either a utility outside back or, you know, an edge back rower. So maybe he comes on an edge for Talangi. And then Ethan Bullimore and Josh Alloway. So there's only two guys there that can actually play prop uh, or even middle when you have a look at it. And all of a sudden you look at these middles that are starting for the Seagulls side and go, wow. You know, Jake Trevojevic at 10, I didn't really want to own too much if he wasn't at 13. But now all of a sudden it looks like he'll probably play 80 minutes because he'll go between 10 and 13 potentially. And that's fine. Um, and all of a sudden, Sean Kepi too is someone that's going to have to get big minutes. So I had Kepi already, Billy. Uh, I'm going to keep him in my side because at his price point and starting at 13, uh, I just think that there's easy money there. And he's one of the guys that I like a lot better as one of your front row forwards at 274,000, then trying to save the 40,000 and get, you know, the the Moalis or the Pele's and stuff that might only play 20 or 25 minutes. So to me, you know, those couple of big forwards for Manly, uh, big winners and different positions for them to start the season at round one. Yeah, I was just about to say, looking at that bench, surely sort of um, Jakey plays a lot more minutes in the 10 jersey. I reckon he doesn't even rotate with Kepi either. I reckon Kepi just sort of stays out there for sort of a decent session himself. Actually, how big a motor does Kepi have? Do you think he's the type of boat that can play sort of 60 straight or do you reckon he's going to do sort of 30, come off, do another sort of 20 type type 13 role? Yeah, he's, he's going to need to come off. I don't think he's got the motor for it. And I mean, you know, generally he's been a front rower. So I I dare say that he'll come off 25 in and he'll maybe come on sort of 15 in. Um, and that's going to give him maybe 55 minutes um, as he's sort of ceiling, um, maybe 50 minutes as a sort of floor, but that's still going to be pretty sensational for a guy that's playing 32 minutes in the middle last year. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm just, sorry, I'm laughing. I'm just having a flashback to Bullimore last year. Similar sort of scenario. <laughs> similar sort of scenario. I think he started on the edge maybe for one game and everyone, everyone's saying, Bullimore, shit, don't get him. Then I'm pretty sure, I'm having flashbacks here, Turbo got one angle taps and throwing the ball up. <laughs> and then 
Bullimore's picked that line break roundabout sort of 45 metres. He looked like a, he did sit look like a draw. Don't remind he's me because I didn't get on Bullimore and line. I was so pissed off that he scored that draw. Everyone's <laughs> you know the one? I, I know the one Everyone's for sure. I'm glad that he crashed and burned after that game because... Yeah, this, is, this is bullshit. Oh, I was so angry. Uh, look, I don't expect Kepi to go for tries, but you know, he's going to get the minutes there. I really like him in the front row forward option, um, and that gives you some depth that you can actually you know, get some points from. You, you don't want to be playing a Pele or or Moa Ali and these type of guys. So big winners in those those middle forward spots for the Seagulls and obviously for Turbo to be returning. For the Bulldogs, uh, it's got to be said, the big winner is uh, Paul Alamoti, who is starting at centre. He is... Going to be a must-have for me because he has looked so talented in the junior grades and $200,000, bottom price, starting at centre. Josh Adokari outside him. Just sign me up now. I absolutely love it. And he's he's one of the he's one of the best centre wing uh, bottom dollar guys for me, I reckon, to have as far as talent goes. So I love it. reckon it's a big win for the Bulldogs and a big win for Supercoach. Oh, mate, 100%. Um, I... I actually didn't watch any of the trial games at all. Just way too busy with work, but did watch a couple of highlights. And oh, mate, <laughs> he's a big boy. Yeah, oh, I really like it in this one, and uh, I, I think he could have a, a pretty good game to start off his NRL career. Uh, I'm I'm loving it. I need to go back and have a look at some of the highlights as well as some of the stats from the um the the flag kind of years. But yeah, there's any anyone that that kind of age is sort of stepping up this kind of early with that sort of size, they're, they're going to do some damage. So the other big Bulldogs news and the big winners is going to be all of the Bulldogs middles. So, you know, all of a sudden we've got Luke Thompson out, potentially a season. TPJ is still out for a number of weeks. That a given way to Farmer Manu Brown, old Farmer Brown, is starting at 13 for the Bulldogs. This is how desperate that they've gotten. Uh, Brown's not going to be an option because he's too expensive in the 400s. But for draft, he, he could be a pickup, a bit sneaky. He has done some really good things in the past, though. So I, I just I don't have the balls to say, yep, I'm I'm going to have a look there, especially not for round one this year with all the options. But four hundred sixty thousand. If you look at what he's done before, you know, in fifty one minutes a game in twenty twenty two, he did forty four points a game. But that's got a lot of hooker in it. It's got a lot of different positions in it as a pure thirteen. Uh, I'm interested to wait and watch for him. But the big guy that I think is a winner out of this, uh, big guys, I should say, Ryan Sutton and Max King, they are going to have to play massive minutes compared to what they have in the past. They are both the starting front rowers for this. And looking at the bench, they've got Jaden Tanner, Corey Waddell, yep. Franklin Pele, and Jacob Preston. So they got one edge, uh, one guy making his NRL debut, a small minute front rower in Pele. And Corey Waddell that, that can play edge or, or 13. So to me, you know, Ryan Sutton and Max King, I'm very interested in them based on this DLT. Yep. You go back to the um, dogs of the 80s, mate, compare the size of that pack on the bench to what they had. Wouldn't really be comparable. Be like a heavyweight to a flyweight. I'm certainly making some changes. Um, I don't know how big this Pele bloke is, but you're right. You basically got... Um, an edge in there, kind of a bit of a utility. I'm not sure what size these other other blokes have in there. Pele is supposed to be pretty decent, but um, it's not a dog's bench of old, that's for sure. The, the King, first of all, averaged 47 minutes a game last year for 51. Obviously, we loved um, the, the offloads that he could throw, and we loved his work as both a 13 and also um, playing some games at prop. 
47 minutes a game, he's got to get at least five minutes extra. Like, yeah. And realistically, we saw him play bigger minutes at times last year. So I would actually pick him at 55 minutes. That edges him from a 51 average to a 60 average. And I think that that's kind of four-ish for him looking at this. So at 540000 he's a bit more expensive than what you'd like. And I think that people will gravitate away from it because they'll remember him as being a cheapie that they culled last year, a cow that they had to slaughter. And you don't like to go back to those guys because it's like, it doesn't matter that it's last year, I made my money out of him, you know, and he's not, you know, one of those stars. He he could be in circumstances that the Bulldogs pack is in. So I think that he's definitely a consideration. Um, Sutton is entirely different. So Sutton's come over from the Raiders and I was interested in him, but I just didn't quite think he could get quite enough for the value. Um, but at 446500 priced on 42 minutes a game, who has always had around you know, a 0.96 to a 1.02 PPM playing in the middle. If he goes up to 52 minutes a game, which I don't see how he can't, and he's got the motor to, he's got an automatic 10-point increase easily. Yeah. And at 446000 doesn't require a lot of investment. So I, I've thrown Sutton in my team automatically already. Yeah. Mate, I don't really have anything more to add than what you've already done there. I just keep looking at dog, the size of the dog's pack, the speed of the dog's pack, and just trying to compare it to the minutes they're going. The minutes they're going to get, they're all going to, they're all, they're all going to go good. But how, but how good? It's generally going to be sort of ten to twelve points above their average. So you just got to ask yourself, which one do you want? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Like looking at those numbers and and considering what we've seen from them, you know. King or Sutton, which one would you go? Because I couldn't go both because I just think you need to split across different teams. I like King. I like King. Like Sutton, like, Sutton, I keep going back to his time down at the Raiders and they're just not as keen. Um, um, whereas Kingy, um, I think we did the preseason. I'm pretty sure we covered the dogs in the preseason, um, you and I, and or unless it was just the notes that I did. And the one that I really did enjoy with, with um, Kingy is that I said, I don't like him at prop, but if he gets to play that 13 jersey and gets an extra 10 minutes, 100%, I'll be keen. Yeah, well, he's not going to get to go back to 13, but, I mean, he's going to get those extra minutes. So, to me, look, I like – if King starts offloading, I'm going to be really disappointed I don't go with him. But, for me, I'm going with Sutton just because it's $100,000 less investment in your front row. Um, and, you know, you know that he's that guarantee because he just does it on the tackles and the runs and very little anything else. So, I'm going Sutton at the moment. Um, for this game, Billy, do you dare – <laughs> go the captaincy on Tom Travojevic. It's a much better looking Bulldog side. They are a bit thin in the pack, though. Well, if my VC on query fails, yeah, <laughs> I might. Tommy <laughs> <laughs> um, Turbo's first game in however many months <laughs> against the Dogs. Oh. Like, wasn't there a game like this last year where Turbo scored like 45 points or something as captain and disappointed everybody? Yeah, I think it might have been his first game last year, but it actually ended up being more than what. Cleary scored or something. I, 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 yeah. It was 66 points with a try. Yeah, round three, 66 points with a try. And everyone was saying it was 150 points coming. Yeah, look, I'm just trying to go to the rest of the draw, see if there's anyone worthwhile <laughs> doing it. I think, um, yeah, look, I've got, um, oh no, I've got, I was going to say, I'll VC, to, I'll VC Tommy and CT. I don't think that works though, does it? I think the safe route is VC, um, obviously, yeah. VC, Cleary, and C, so the T, I think is the, is the sensible move, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's the sensible move. Yeah. I mean, look, it, if you're in Teddy, you, you know, you're not putting the, state, the seal of VC on Tommy, are you? You're not, you're not missing this Dolphins potential. No, but uh, there's actually a lot of teams that don't have Teddy. 
that uh, that do have Tom. Yeah. So I mean, for those teams. Well, if you got Tom and you're not going, not going to use him, it'd be a bit silly, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's got to be a consideration. Um, I, I like the Manly Seagulls in this one, uh, and I also like Olaquatu to run rampant on that edge. I think this is going to be a great start to the season for him running on that edge. I think that he's against Fatala Mariner and Flanagan. I could be wrong, but I, I think that that's the side that he's going to be on. So that's he could he could start off really well here. So that's my tip for these ones, but merely to get home. Oh yeah, but before we go any further, I just had a uh, bit of a flashback. Shout out to uh, Lincoln Cliff, a buddy of mine that I used to play baseball with many years ago. His son just got signed by the Bulldogs. Watch out for Lincoln Cliff. I hear he's a bit of a unit. Front row forward. So already uh, in the representative team in two years, two years below his age group. So doggies have a big forward coming. Very nice. Let's get him in a super coach. We can all pick him. <laughs> Cowboys Raiders. Uh, this one, I don't think there was really huge changes for the Cowboys that we didn't expect. Um, certainly, I think that the loser in this one is that we've got Granville on the bench. And when I was going through with Andrew Scanlon, his Cowboys team for the preseason preview, we were worried with Griffith, with Granville on the bench in, in the trials and the fact that Reese Robson wasn't playing 80 minutes consistently at the start of last season, whether that was going to come in round one and take away from Reese Robson's value. And it looks like that it has. So I'd be very surprised if Robson plays 80 minutes in this one. And I think that he's a big loser because having Granville on that bench uh, probably spells it out that he's going to get rested. That's right. Connor can take that extra 20 minutes up there for me. (laughs) Well, uh, the Raiders team, you know, there is quite a few changes on this one. And this one's got some nice things happening for Supercoach. So there's a bit more time to talk about the Raiders in this one. First of all, we've got Sebastian Chris, who's starting at fullback. Chris is already priced out of Supercoach. So I think some people might have got excited, but looked at his price and realised. But I'm I'm actually really excited for Harley Smith Shields. I, I, Harley Smith Shields, I, I said in the preseason podcast, I would pay 300k for over some of the other more fancied options, like even like the Remus Smiths, the Talows, and even some of the fullback options, like the Hammer and stuff. But Smith Shields... He's starting at centre, which is even better because he was projected to start on the wing. Maybe we're going to get a game at fullback, but that's not going to happen. But at centre, he's going to have some pretty good base stats. Uh, he is a bit of a try scorer, and he's a, he's a pretty exciting prospect. Yeah. So at three hundred thousand, um, I'm actually going to say that like I would rather. I think that we've all got enough money to play with round one because of the outs of Nico Hines and other guys. I'm finding that there's enough money to go around because we've got so many cheapies and mids. So to me, I'm looking at someone like Smith Shields in this game, going well. I think that he really could solidify himself in first grade and actually rate him as a player. So I would rather pay the extra 60K over, say, a Willie Army at the at the Warriors because I'd feel comfortable playing Smith Shields for some of these matchups, although not necessarily this week. So I think Smith Shields is a big winner and I'm actually expecting pretty big things from him this year. Yeah, centre's a lot different from Willie, especially if there's some job security and uh, price point relation to the tackle count that they're going, and the hit-ups that they're going to get. So... Yeah, you can go to guys who are sort of net, net sort of net sort of twenty twenty sort of tackles at sort of centre, showing fifteen points in the hit ups. It's a decent floor. Um, and you add, add, add in the draw that you that you are just referring to, then it adds some appeal. Um, I haven't given too, too much thought to him, um, particularly because they've got the cows for the cows for a start. But if you take this year's cheapies away and go back to last year, he, he's those sort of years. Uh, he'd be much, much more of an appeal, but he's still an option. 
Corey Howard and Ira, name to start. We didn't really expect this. Um, I actually had Corey Horsberg. Yeah, I had Horsberg in my team because I expected him to be at 13, and I, I really like that. And all of a sudden, he's a scratch. So he's a big loser out of this, and so is Gula, who's on the bench. But CHN at 13, I think a lot of people have gotten excited about this. And I, I got excited when I saw his name, but just at 13, he just doesn't quite do it. Um, and we've seen that in the past. Like we've seen him play pretty decent minutes at 13 and, and it's been okay, um, but it sort of caps his value because he's much better on the edge where he can get the offload away and hit some attacking stats. So for me, Billy, he comes in and he's going to be pretty heavily priced, although he's still under 500000 You're going to have, still have to pay 481800 for him. To me, there's too many other options. So whilst I'm excited about him being there, I think that his minutes are going to be in about 55 minutes a game. Um, that might be about 60 points a game. And compared to some of the other options that are cheaper, certainly the Katoas, Garner as well, I think I prefer all those other options. Because the other thing with CHN, it might look like a winner because he got named to start, but he still does have the horse on the bench and some other players circling. And Ricky Stewart still needs to bring Papa Lee back in. Um, and certainly Solo is starting at eight, who looks like an absolute trap. But, you know, it's it's going to affect CHN. He could be back on the bench in a week or two, uh, and then it's going to really hurt. So if he was on the edge, Billy, uh, big winner. But I think that he's almost a bit of a trap winner at 13. Uh, at least it makes it obvious now, because if he was named on the, on the edge and you had someone like Whitehead or Hudson Young on the bench, then would be going, oh, so when when do they come on for him? At least now you know he's not he's not number one or number two edge. Um, he's not going to be. He's only going to be there from um, if there's an injury. So you, you're going to get the reduced price in the middle. But and everyone knows that edge is the, edge is the place that you want him anyway. So it's a complete no. Um, I think the the fact that obviously you've got Starling on the bench, he's back back healthy and a low minute guy in Gula probably gives a bit more encouragement to the early Tuppany minutes, which is. Um, the opposite of what we'd kind of kind of usually expect, um, as you know. Uh, Ricky always gives his front row forwards lower minutes just to, to start. Maybe Tarpany gives him a, a, a bit more than expected, which would be ideal. Yeah, I think that this is a real good win for Joseph Tarpany, and I think that it becomes more of a consideration. I'm still worried about Stuart, but yeah. um, Papali is looking like he's back round two, though. Um, so that might change things a little bit here. But certainly for this first game, if you've got him in your side, I think you're going to get good minutes out of him. Because someone like uh, Solo that's that's starting, he's only played between 21 and 25 minutes a game over the last three years. Um, and he's only been in the NRL for four years, but yeah, that's he's still only uh, the type of player he is. He's going to be a low-minute player, even as a starter. So Tubbany's going to get big minutes in this one. I really like him for this. It is going to be at Cowboys home ground up in Queensland, Country Bank Stadium. Uh, a lot of super coaches are going to be on the big guns in this one. Um, certainly, I think that if people are looking at a James Tedesco as your captain, uh, all of a sudden guys like Valentine Holmes comes into the equation as a potential VC option. He's certainly very popular in ownership, whether a lot of people get on the VC. I actually think this might be a bit of a tough one for the Cowboys than what it looks. I think the Raiders might grind it out a little bit and it might be a bit of an ugly one for super coach. I'm really not too sure when I have a look at it, but the, the forward packs of these sides... Uh, both are pretty impressive at times, but both can also make games a little bit grindy. Yeah, I like the Raiders pack, Cowboys pack. You know, many holes you can plug in there. I was actually um, coaching the kids on Monday night, and I was talking to one of the um, 
the the parents down there, and she goes, oh, "I love the, I love the Cowboys. I can't wait to watch them." She goes, "I love watching my nephew play." I said, "Who's your nephew?" She said, "Oh, Cohen Hess." I said, "Oh, oh wow, <laughs> he might um he might he's a nice nephew. <laughs> he might um he might get a few more a few more minutes this year. He got a few injuries injuries. He, he might be getting some big minutes on the edge." And she said, "I'm not with his ankle, mate." <laughs> So oh really? <laughs> Look at that. Bit Sorry of insight, about the bus. Bit of insight into <laughs> yeah, might be a bit of an injury cloud there. But um, so I said, oh, I was going to stay away from him anyway. But I, I look forward to seeing what he can do. She said, oh, as long as he stays healthy, I can't wait to watch him. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I think that the cows will get the win in this one, but I think it'll be a pretty hard fought one. Um, this next one though is. It was meant to be a blockbuster, right? The Sharks and the South Sydney Rabbitohs playing at Points Bet Stadium at Cronulla. I, I was really looking forward to this game. And then Nico Hines got ruled out. So it's obviously the big loser from this TLT for the Sharks for round one is going to be Nico Hines. People have talked about starting with him still. Uh, I think that the uncertainty around his injury and the fact that the calf injuries can linger and he might he could end up being at a month or five weeks or something like that, it's, it means that you can't do it. There's no way you can do it. Having said that, you know, if we knew for certain, it's really minor. He's definitely only out for round one. He's definitely that round two. I would actually consider having Nico in the side because I'm going to want him in Same. as soon as he is back, right? And this, the thing is, a lot of people won't do that. So you're going to get a real pot option in Nico Hines for a couple of weeks until people can afford or figure out a way to get him in. And those early games with a pod with the best player in the game are really, really valuable. But we just don't know Billy. So for me, it's it's just too much of a risk because he's, if he's out four weeks, then it just kills you having that money on the bench from round one. Yeah, I think I had somewhere four to six weeks. So, you know, it's, it's a, the, the fact that he's not there, not there round one, I'm out. If it was guaranteed, if if it was a suspension and you knew it was only one round, then I'd consider holding on to him, knowing that look, you can play a winger or a bench forward, you can get sort of fifty fifty five points out of him. There's basically what likely a thirty point differential that you can make up. You, then you've got your million dollar guy on a bench that you can sort of VC or captain every week. You can make that up. If he's out sort of two weeks, then three weeks and four weeks, and all of a sudden you've got nine hundred grand on the bench that you haven't utilised in the first four rounds. See you later. Yeah, the other loser here is, I think, Teague Wilton, although he's remained reasonably popular. And I say he's a loser because, like we thought, the bench has got Wade Graham on it. And Wade Graham has only played on the edge. So he's going to get minutes. Cam McGuinness, Oregon Kafuzi, Jack Williams. Wade Graham's going to go onto that edge. It just it doesn't look like it can be any other way. So for me, you know, the problem with Teague was always the fact that he's 493,000 based on a 47 average of 60 minutes a game. Now, that, that looks like what he's going to get. And throw into that, they're playing the South Sydney Rabbitohs without Nico Hines, which I think is going to be a pretty hard ask for them round one. Uh, I think that the uh, the shine off, off Teague is well and truly off with um, yeah with all that news for TLT. So I'm off him, but do you see any reason to stick with Teague for round one based on Nico out and the fact they're playing, the sh- they're playing Wade Graham off the bench and he's going to have to play some edge? Oh, I kind of, I've, I've got him in my, in my side. I just like his attacking prowess a lot better than the guys like Garner. He's got a lot more tackles, a lot bigger work rate um, than the other sort of part-time or 80-minute edges, and I'd prefer just to be able to share him and hopefully he gets a few more minutes down the track. Um, I don't know how long Wade Graham is going to last. You'd have to assume he's going to stay healthy, healthy the whole year, but yeah, I'm, you got you got me second-guessing now because, I mean, 
is it 450 grand I can I can better utilize elsewhere by sort of I don't know getting rid of someone else someone else and upping him straight to sort of monster or something I don't know Mm. Well, you ever think about that one, Billy? But I'm not going anywhere near Teg. I know he's been popular, but uh, Wade Graham on the bench, playing Souths, no Nico Hines, no Teague Wilton. Rabbitohs team. I think that the big winner out of this one for the Rabbits is going to be the big forwards and the middle guys. So Cameron Murray and especially Totola, my pod Totola, really like Tavita Totola this year. They look really good for minutes. So this South Sydney side name for round one has got Blake Taff at the 14 utility spot, Michael Cheekham, and then they've got low-minute front rowers in Davey Moali and Shaq Mitchell. And neither of those last two guys can play big minutes. So all of a sudden, someone like Totola um, should be getting a few extra minutes for sure. And someone like Murray is guaranteed to get the big minutes that he's normally accustomed to playing. So... I think that's Tolo and Murray are big winners out of that bench. I'm trying to have a look at it now to see whether I can get them in. It's uh, it's it's made me second guess because I don't have any either of Cameron Murray or Tolo. And looking at this one, um, I might be considering trying to get them in. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how I can turn Tigwilt into Murray now. <laughs> <laughs> Not very easily, I think, is the answer. <laughs> uh, Tolo's had a 46-minute average for minutes last year. You know, this, this looks like a 54-minute average of minutes to me. It looks like a, a good eight to nine points um, value there. Yeah, um, he, he's such a good impact player too. Um, I think there, there were a few, there were a couple of games where he kind of um, uh, got the bigger minutes and the alpha kind of roll in the middle. He just looks dangerous when he's got it, mate. Um, I really enjoy, enjoy watching him. I'd kind of prefer if he got just an extra, extra sort of seven or eight minutes. I mean, everyone would, but... He's, he's a beautiful, he's more of a beautiful player to watch than sort of, you know, um, um, real life than sort of SC. So on the Rabideau side, we've obviously got big Latrell Mitchell at the back there. Yeah. Licking his lips for round one. I am going to be very controversial here and say that I think that the Sharks are going to have a pretty poor start without Nico Hines. And I think that Souths have the ability to rip him one a little bit and win by 18 or 20 points. And I know that's a big call, but the Sharks without Nico Hines are a completely different team. I really think that the the Rabbits are going to be hitting the ground running this year. Um, so for me, Latrell Mitchell, you know, some people have, have potted away from Teddy and gone Latrell and Turbo as their combo. I would rather um, throw caution to the wind and put the C on Latrell Mitchell with his goal kicking than, than Turbo. Uh, I know that's a big call, but... I think that you're going to, it's very pottish. I think you're going to get four or 5% of owners that have a look at this because it's versus Sharks, but I really like the Rabbits in this one. Yeah, same, mate. Um, Latrell scares me even when he's at absolute standstill. Even if he's put on 10 kilos in the off-season, I don't want to not have him, but you can only have a two at fullback. And yeah, there's a couple of guys that have a good draws and there's a couple of guys that represents the value there. So... I think that's that's the only decision for me. But yeah, if you go back six weeks ago, I think I had um, Drinkwater and um, Latrell and Latrell in there to start the season. Got neither now. There you go. Well, the Dolphins and the Roosters play on Sunday at four o'clock. Suncorp Stadium. Uh, I don't think there was too many surprises, other than the big one being Katoa gets a massive boost by winning the number six jersey over Milford. Now, this is a big talking point for round one. You know, up until a week ago, we, we didn't really think Katoa was going to get a run and then all of a sudden he's catapulted into start. He's a dual halfback 5'8", which makes it really easy. Yeah. But 
at the same time, I'm actually even with this team list and him getting named struggling with him. At 216,000, I shouldn't be. I should be just getting him straight in. The problem for me, Billy, is I've read all these quotes and stuff from Wayne Bennett and I've looked at a lot of stuff and basically Wayne Bennett has said he needed to give Milford a kick up the arse. And there was a story tonight saying Milford can't just coast through. He's got to earn it. And that worries me a little bit um, because we all know as well that Wayne Bennett isn't the type of coach that um, that relies hugely on a, a rookie, especially a rookie spine player, like a rookie half. And he also has a long-standing relationship with Milford. So I'm looking at this going, if I take Katoa into my team, I'm going to have to drop out one of the big guns that I really like because I've stacked seven and six in my super coach team. And I really don't want to do that. And it's going to sacrifice points for the money-making. And at the same time, I could very easily say, see Wayne Bennett in two weeks going, you know what, we just got flogged against the Roosters. Um, We just had another bad loss in round two. Uh, Milford has been training the house down. He got the kick up the ass message that I wanted to send him. We got young Katoa some game time. Milf can come back in. And I could just see that happening. Uh, and unfortunately, that will you know kill Katoa, obviously. But if I don't get Katoa in, to me, it's really easy, Billy, because I can then just pick whoever's not performing in my six or seven spots out of the four of them and say, I'm going to ditch this bloke. And then I'm going to bring in Katoa. Uh, and then I'm going to use the extra money to to play around in my team whatever which way I want. That just seems a lot better for me, even though it's going to be burning a trade. So, you know, Katoa's a big winner out of this, um, but for me, I'm actually going to make the decision not to go him for round one. I'm going to stick to my guns on getting four guns in my six and seven spots. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, if you don't get him from round one, there are a couple that sort of go off and have suit a huge or decent negative break-evens that you want in sort of matches prior to round three, you've only got a couple of trades to do it. Like, whereas now, you know up front, he's, he's going to get it. Do you really think Ben is going to cut him after a week or two? That would be absolutely shit out for his confidence. I, I wouldn't have thought Wayne would do that to him. Surely gives him at least the three to four or five games. Yeah, I mean, look, say if he gets three games and he gets one price rise um, and then he's gone, you know, it's still going to be, be taking up a spot in your... Um, in your halves, it's going to be pretty important to points. Uh, to me, like the Roosters game, this one for round one, he could score 20 points. Yeah. And then that's not going to produce too much money come the round three first price rise. Um, and that's kind of what I'm banking on. It, certainly later on, like if he ends up, you know, with a few extra games under his belt, he'll, he'll start to make more money. But that first price rise, like, you know, I, I could see him not going very well this week against the Roosters. It's his first NRL game you know, against a, a pretty good side in the Roosters. So I'm banking on that myself. But, you know, Tessie New got named on the wing, which I thought was super surprising. It's interesting for draft options. Maybe you can get some extra tries there. But overall, I think the Dolphins, the rest of the side was pretty much as per program. The Roosters, very different story. So Joey Manu has been ruled out. and means we've got Corey Allen at centre and Jackson Paulo on that wing next to him. Pretty weak side on that side. The big news here is that we've got Egan Butcher and Nat Butcher both starting in the 11 and 12 jersey, which we thought was going to happen, but it's nice to see it on paper. I've had a lot of people asking me about Egan Butcher. (laughs) Big winner for TLT because he's got, you know, that that starting jersey for the edge spot. Uh, I've not got him in my side, Billy, despite TLT coming out with him with that number 11 jersey. And the reason is I'm still concerned that Egan has been a, a middle player before and hasn't ever really played 80 minutes in his life at NRL level. 
And they've got Hutchison on the bench. They've also got White on the bench, who's a tearaway edge back rower that they could put on. Uh, but Hutchison, to me, you know, this looks like he could easily spell Brandon Smith 15 minutes. Um, but before he actually broke into the Roosters side, he was playing for Newtown as an edge forward. He, he could very easily go and play that edge role for 20 minutes for Egan and he can get 60 minutes. And at 482000 he's just that little bit too more too much money for me to go with him if he's going to only get 60 minutes. So I'm actually, even though he's a winner by winning this you know jersey to start, I'd be a bit wary of the fact that the White and Hutchison are on the bench. Um, to me, you know, Butcher, I'm going to wait and see. Whereas Nat Butcher, I think, is obviously a lot safer and going to get the 80 minutes. Yeah, you keep making me second guess myself now. I was keen on having a look at the butchers to see who, who had the bigger work rate. And when I went to look at um, Egan, it was just off the charts. So even though he's played middle, if you still take, what, a good 20%, 25% of his PPM off, he's still in the point eight department. So, I mean, do you really think he's not going to get 80? And if so, why not? I mean, you've got – you've always had – Crichton and how do you say Tupanua, whatever you don't, Tupanua. Tupanua. You've always had those two pretty much play eighty. I mean, you, your your team your team doesn't muck around with its edges, mate. They they play they play the the, the full hog. So why would you all of a sudden change that? I, I just think purely because we're we're out of troops. Like and Egan's not been an eighty minute edge before. I, I could be like I'm not saying this is set in stone at all. Like a hundred percent, he could play eighty minutes. I just think that it's also a scenario um, equally as much where he doesn't. Yeah. And, and if that's the case, it's kind of in that T. Wilton boat, isn't it? Well, 60 minutes, is that going to be enough to pay 500K for almost? Probably not because we've got all these other options in second row. So, you know, and I'm a, I'm a huge Roosters fan and I'm not even considering Egan. If he plays 80 minutes, um, like to me, I'll, I'll look at him after the first two weeks and look at getting him in if that's the case. The other thing too is that we should also have some more information on Crichton. You know, there's so many different stories on Angus at the moment. There's stories saying he could be out 10 weeks. There's other stories saying that yeah. he might only be out a few weeks. He might be back, you know, around four or something. You know, you just, it's in two weeks' time, I think we'll have a really good picture on Egan. I think we'll have a really good picture on, uh, on Angus. And I'd rather make the decision then because uh, look, Drew Hutchison's got to play minutes and, and he will play minutes under Trent Robinson. He doesn't ever go with like a zero minute player on the bench as a utility. So uh, I'd rather just wait and see. But look, the rest of this side, when you're looking at that bench, I already mentioned it. Fletcher Baker, White, Terrell May, Drew Hutchison. You know, you've got, you got two middles there and a utility edge and an edge in White that might be able to play some middle as well. But all those guys are, are pretty low-minute players. So I think Lindsay Collins and Matt Lodge are pretty big winners out of this. JWH is out at the moment as well. So I expect Lodge and Collins to play good minutes in this one. Um, so anyone that's starting with them, I think, got a boost. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, all right. I've got some more thinking to do. I hate it when I come talking to you. You change my mind all the time. <laughs> I'm not so I'm not ruling out 80 minutes. Just remember, guys and girls, I said that. They're definitely not. Ruling it nah, out. I'm going to stick with the butcher, but I'll go the um, 100% got to get rid of Wilton now. Oh, I like Nat Butcher getting a try in this one. Uh, but James Tedesco is my captain. Um, Daniel Tupo, I think, is going to get two tries in this one. He might have to come in for old Greg Marzu, and uh, that's almost a straight swap. But yeah, Teddy C is probably going to be hugely popular, isn't it? And this is one of the reasons why all those people that have different combinations without Teddy, you know, round one, the value of him being able to captain him against the Dolphins side that we've seen named 
that's just huge value straight up for the first game of the season. Oh, he, no, he might not score 180, but you got, you got to remember the top. The top might only be 125. Yeah, look, the Roosters are such a good team, mate. He might he might not set anything up, but it, it might be sort of 50 nil, and the rest of the team do, and uh, the Walkers does all, all the work and flicks to the wingers, and Teddy comes off and gets a rest with 15 minutes to go and like only only a couple of assists. But um, I just can't not. Not own a guy when you've got a team like the Titans who are playing half strength uh, against the Dolphins who are full strength and scored three tries in what the first ten minutes. I just can't not. I can't run the risk of not having Teddy and, and the season almost being over from from round one. Not not having what a potential you know, 180 captaincy. It might not happen, unlikely, but I just don't want to run the risk. That's all. Sam Walker's gone up to 11 percent in ownership. Um... I think that he's a really good alternative to Nico Hines in this one, goal-kicking in this game. But his ownership hasn't gone up that much, and that's because Katoa has gone up to 48% ownership. So yeah, I think it still makes Sam Walker a really good play in this one um, and a real good option if you're having to go away from Nico Hines and you don't want to go to Katoa. I love Sam Walker in this one. Um, in, in fact, the Roosters' spine looks, um, looks ready to go. So, Billy, I, I looked at it and I realised I'd culled so much of my side that I only had James Tedesco left along with Brandon Smith from the Roosters and I had to get some more in. So to me, Sammy Walker's going to stay, particularly because Nico Hines was there. He was potentially going to get cold for Cleary. And uh, Daniel Tupo and Napoche are the other ones that could score a lot. And I know what you're saying about James Tedesco with um, all these other talented guys that could get points, but I think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty big deal that Joey Manu's out. Um, and in the forwards, it's a pretty big deal that someone like JWH is out. I think that gives some extra value to to each of the forwards and the backs. Uh, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be really good points for the Roosters. Obviously, I'm tipping them, but uh, I think it's going to be a good win. Unfortunate for the Dolphins. Tigers versus Gold Coast is the last game of the, of the round. And I think this one, it's, you can't really say that Charlie Staines won for the Tigers because Mamolo is out with an injury. Yeah. Um, but Tommy Talao has got that center spot, so he's a big winner. I think the middles, though, Billy, Looking at this bench, they've got Jake Simpkin, Alex Twal, Fanua Pohl, and Kapoa. So I think like Sean Ball is starting at 12 for Bateman, who's out. Um, Bateman may very well not be out for very long, so I think Ball could be a bit trappish. But but then you look at these other forwards, and you go, well, there's only Twal and Pohl to come on for yeah. Clemmer and Uta Kamanu. So big Stefano and, and Big Dave, they're looking at eating massive minutes in this game. Yeah, looking at the makeup of, the, of their bench a few weeks ago, I wasn't keen on Stefano at all because I kind of figured wouldn't be the alpha. Too many guys in the middle trying to rotate. A guy like Offer doing big minutes at thirteen. All those new edges in there. I kind of figured there was there were there were no no minutes to be eaten up. But um, yeah, looking look, looking at that bench in particular with uh, Heatstroke on um, what's his name? Um, yeah, Bateman with the import. Um, and even the fact that Stefano's even named to start with off off the back of some uh, big uh, big trial games, um, I'm happy to slot him back in. He's almost base price and he's starting. Why not? Yeah, it's it's funny. There's been some questions thrown up as well about, you know, what about Stefano as your second front row forward if you've got two bottom dollar cheapies and you're just going real light? I don't like it. Like, I, I think that in all likelihood, Stefano could be your second front row forward and it's fine. I just think that, you know, those bench front row forwards like Pele can just be absolute poison and I wouldn't want to have to yeah. rely on that. Like, you know, what if Stefano comes out and scores 
40 points and 38 points the first two weeks. You're not going to want to trade him still. Yeah. But it's a pretty shitty play. And you've got no way out of starting him because he's your second front row forward. Yeah. You know, I, I just sort of think he's your third he's your third front row forward that you're welcome to play or put in your 17. But we've spoken so many times on this podcast, Billy, about depth this year. Depth, depth, depth. You need options because there's going to be buyers coming up. There's going to be guys suspended. There's going to be guys that are going to be disappointing. I, I, I love Stefano. I think that this TLT is great for him. I'd still have him as, my, you know, my one of my three rotation front rowers. Yep. As long as you don't come to the end of the first round and go, oh, I knew I should have bought him or I knew I should have, should have had that player. Just go with your gut. Don't leave anything in the tank. That's the only bit of advice I can give you. If you think you want us to find because you figured he's got a great PPM, um, going to play in the front row, then get him. Don't, don't go on the back foot all of a sudden because you heard someone else say something and he might you know, not get the big minutes. Because uh, what if he does? He's only 319k. Just just jump on. Do you think people should just be jumping on Sean Bloor at 234,800, considering Bateman, you know, could be back any week? Because I've seen differing views on this one where it's like, you know, he's he's close to base level price and he's starting yeah. on an edge and you know, all the you know all the stories. But to me, it's there's there's other options, so you don't really need to go there. I'm actually gonna yeah, avoid it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm even contemplating going back to Garden now. You fool! <laughs> <laughs> now that Wil- Wilton's out, well, there's just so many options in those mid-range yeah. forward spots. Yeah, you know, know. We've just got many, but the Titans team news. You know, I think everyone knew that Card Pereira was going to get named. After he scored a hat trick in like 20 minutes on on the last trial, he should be in everybody's side. You know, he's obviously the big winner because he got named to start, but he yeah. should be in everyone's side. must owned. And looking at the rest of it, it's all pretty stock standard for the Titans. So it's a bit disappointing. Uh, It does look like that someone like David Fafita should get 80 minutes. Um, Jaden Campbell is an absolute waste at 14. He will probably get zero game time, uh, which means that the Fords are all going to get a good workload. Um, Probably bodes well for Tino. uh, But for David Fafita, I know it's a new Tigers teammate, but I'm super keen to have David Fafita in my side to run at the Tigers still. Yep, I'm going to be doing the same thing, mate. I'm going to try to find a way to get him in and out of my team. Then I kept looking at what um, I kept looking at what a team would look like with the two guns, a hooker, and three or four guns in the halves, as well as the fullbacks. And it just left the second row way too lean. And I keep, although I keep looking at the second row, thinking, you know what, Fafita won't score, you know, 130. But what if he does? What if he comes out and averages at 85? He's got a reasonably high ownership, but I think it was 25% or something. Rather. I just kind of figured, you know what? There's some cheaper options in the halves. Just downgrade and get at least one decent alpha in, in, in that pack because you can't just rely on a full uh, a full tank of mid-rangers. What if, what, if they, what if half of them get thrown to the bench and you're screwed? I agree um, 100%. Captaincy options. Can I just can I just throw up a suggestion here? It's it's a real yep. real pod one. I love Adam Dewey for this game. Goal kicking against the Tigers. <laughs> uh, goal kicking against the Titans. First game of the season. It's at Leichhardt Oval. It's just it's got me so excited, Billy. And you know you could still VC Tedesco in the game before. And if he doesn't go big, if you've got like a Sloan in your centre wing that's got the buy from the Dragons, or better yet, you know, a lot of people actually will have 
what? Yeah, Murdoch Masala. Yeah, he's he's going to be there too. You, you could VC Teddy, and you know if it works out and Teddy goes massive, you can easily throw a, a Murdoch Masala into your front row forward in exchange for leaving uh, Uta Kamanu out and, you know, go for that, and that's fine. But say it doesn't work out with Teddy VC. Say he goes an 80 and you're, you're really going for the upside, right? You can then go to C on Adam Dewey, goal kicking at Lycote Oval versus the Gold Coast Titans. Oh, Adam Dewey could be a huge pod rocket to start the season. He could easily throw up 100, 120 in this one in that range and have a big game to start the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say once bitten, twice shy. I remember saying to a few people end of last year that I reckon he'll be the highest averaging person of the last six to eight games of the season, but I didn't count, count in the uh, I didn't factor in that he's still playing for the Tigers. So they, they struggled with it. He looks dangerous every time he's got the ball, particularly when, when he's on, on that right, right hand side. He's got that little death kick behind, he's got the goal kicking. So yeah, if he can just get a couple of tackle busts away, uh, he's, he's certainly got the um, the. I wouldn't say he's got loot potential, but he's certainly got a, a capacity potential as a saver. If you wanted to go the tenure out with uh, VC, yeah, I, I still can't believe he's only twenty six percent owned. That's gone up, but when you consider, um, you know, yeah. some of the ownership of some of these other guys, um, you know, that's. Oh, I'm. I'm loving a Dewey C option if you can't get the VC to work on Tedesco, um, if you've got those options up your sleeve. If you can't tell, Billy, I'm into a Tigers win on this one, and I reckon it, you know about a dollar eighty at the moment on a lot of the betting agencies. They're pretty good value, so I'm enjoying it. But how do you think this one's going to go, Tigers or Titans for you? Um, good Titans for me. Um, yeah, could go either way. Being an old Balmain boy living in a suburb, mate, for, for sort of 10 years, you can see the um, the, the stalwarts walking down to the Darling Street right on 2 o'clock to get ready for the game, mate. They're all mental. <laughs> Sitting on the roofs watching it. Uh, look, we're going to quickly finish up by talking about each of our sides' reactions, our actual Supercoach sides, the three biggest changes that we're going to have to make to our teams based on TLT. Uh, Billy, you're the guest. I'll, I'll let you do the honours. What are your top three biggest changes or challenges that TLT has thrown at your team? Um, I had to throw out, what's his name, Marju. Obviously, he's not, not even on the bench. Um, so that's that's Gonski. I've got to get rid of now. Uh, obviously, we're seeing Graham on the bench. That's too much of a concern. I think those are the only sort of two changes that I've made. I oh, know I've, I've decided to bring in uh, Stefano after after being named to start. So here's my... Uh, my, my third prop now, I decided to get rid of Pele. Nice. Uh, well, that's that's not too difficult. Um, I lost my whole starting front row forward. So, <laughs> Corey Horsburgh, Corey the big horse, along with Luke Thompson. Um, that was my double front row forwards for a, a million bucks that I thought were going to go 60 plus each. They're both gone. So, that's two big changes I'm going to have to make. Along with that, I have opted to put Nat Butcher into my second row at the moment. So I, I did initially have David Fafida and Angus, and obviously Angus was always going to go out, but it was just who was going to come in for Angus, and I've decided on, on Nat Butcher. The other big one, uh, Greg Marzu was my big pod. He was my expensive centre wing that I'd invested in, and I was really happy with him. He's gone. I'm looking at a straight swap to potentially Daniel Tupo um, just for a run of the first two games. I think that he's got a good chance of scoring a double against the Dolphins and against the Warriors. And then I can look at sending him off into the distance and trading him to someone else even, potentially, or keeping him. 
the last one, I think Nico Hines was the big one for everybody. Um, he's gone. And I was maybe going to run without Nathan Cleary and just run with Nico. That's not going to happen anymore. Uh, obviously, there's just way too much money that I can spend. So I may as well have Cleary there and not try and be silly with it. I think that I had a bit of a safety net trying to be a bit risky by not having Cleary for a couple of weeks. But now it's just going to be Cleary and Sam Walker in my halves to start with. So that's probably the big changes from TLT. Uh, and certainly I've I've tried to cull uh, all those real cheap bench forward guys that I just don't think are going to be any good. I'm even seeing Preston in some teams, like he's a bench edge player for the Bulldogs. Pele, Moali, these guys are low minute bench forwards. I'm just not into that when we've got all these other guys that you can just spend a little bit of extra money on. So I've made sure that I didn't have any of those guys in my team. Yeah, same kind of, we use this analogy every year, but the old Spencer Linear trick. <laughs> the Pele's are the type of blokes that you think will make money and they will, but they end up sort of making sort of 50 grand and sticking up your bench for God knows how long. Well, I'm finding that I've got plenty of money to spend. I'm pretty happy with uh, with the round one TLT, Billy. So overall, you know, the side's coming along pretty nicely. Um, you're feeling good, obviously, for round one. Yeah, I've, uh, I I gave a few a couple of blokes um, my side about three weeks ago, and then realised how shit it was when when I looked at how narrow it was in the second row because I basically. I had Cleary and Hines. I had Munster and uh, Cheapy and M- Munster and Burton. I had Turbo and Teddy, and I had Grant and Cheese. So I was extremely thin in a whole bunch of positions, and it kind of uh, led me led me down a dark path if there were any injuries. And so I got rid of a, a couple of key blokes. I think I might have got rid of sort of Cleary, and all of a sudden it just opened the door up for guys like Marju and having Fafita in there and. It just added a lot more, a lot more depth. So I just kind of figured, you know what? If if uh, clear, clear your Hines can become Boyd, that's you know what six hundred k that can be used across the board. So I made a couple of sacrifices that way. Nice. Well, good luck to your Eels for the first game of the season, mate. And good luck for Supercoach this week. Been a blast going through TLT for round one, twenty twenty three. We will talk again in the next few weeks for sure. But thanks for jumping on, and good luck for the week. Cheers, mate. I don't think we'll need it. We've only got the storm. Easy one at Convex Stadium. Sebo for a double. Yes, correct. <laughs> Cheers, Billy. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can download, stream, also share and subscribe to on SoundCloud, iTunes, Amazon, as well as Spotify. Certainly follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. We will be back after next Tuesday's TLT drops to do another Supercoach episode. These Supercoach episodes will normally drop sometime on a Wednesday afternoon for you to listen to. In a couple of weeks' time, when the footy actually starts, we'll also get back into the talk and footy episodes each week as well and talk just rugby league, no Supercoach. So we're probably two weeks off doing those. But, oh, Supercoach Christmas. It is here. It is today. Savour it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the next three days playing with your team before you have a mad panic an hour before kickoff and realise you still need to make some changes. Enjoy the footy this weekend. I can't wait to chat about everything that happens in round one all once again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid.